On Sky Sports Radio, time to review the weekend's racing with our stable of experts. He's pretty exciting, this guy. Streeting his rivals. Who impressed? Who didn't? Horses to follow. And have a look at the time. And your calls. Welcome to Punter's Postmortem. Really starting to go through his gears. Just continues to raise the bar. Uh-oh. Yeah, good morning and welcome to Punters Postmortem on this Monday. It is the 4th of September and looking forward to our first Punters Postmortem of the spring. Our panel today is Ron Duffersey, Chris Roots and David Gately. What a weekend it was. Uh, a few little upsets along the way, but the good horses definitely back in town, both in Sydney and in Melbourne. And it's just going to be like that as uh, the weeks and months roll on now, right into the depths of November in all states. So I think that's uh, fantastic. We're going to take plenty of your calls today on 135353. So don't be shy. If you um, spotted something over the weekend or you were wanting to chat to the team about anything in particular for this spring, you can give them a call, Duff, Chris, and of course, Gator. Or you can get on the text line 0419 767. Two seven two. As we heard before with the scratchings with Nick, we've got two meetings today in New South Wales. We've got to the Queen Bee meeting and the Coffs Harbour meeting. We'll preview them after Racing HQ this morning. The Cozzy Tour continues this week. Tomorrow afternoon, we'll be heading to Marimbula on the South Coast, where we'll be talking all about the South Coast in, in terms of their racing. Probably catching up with the great Rob Tweedy and those from the Sapphire Coast Turf Club. And then Wednesday afternoon, we'll be broadcasting Wednesday morning from Marimbula. And then Wednesday afternoon, we'll jump in the, uh, the mobile studio and we'll head to Jindabyne to round off the tour. Looking forward to being in Jindabyne Wednesday night and Thursday morning because I'm going to chat with Matt Kelly. There's a horse, and it always happens with the Kosciuszko. There's horses that are out of sight, out of mind, and one of those horses is I've been trying. We know how good uh, of a horse he is. Matt Kelly uh, was up from or grew up in the Cooma area. He now trains there in the nation's capital, but I've been trying or be trying to secure a slot, and I think a lot of the owners are actually from that Cooma and Jindabyne area. So it'll be a good way to, to finish off the tour on Thursday morning, but you won't miss a beat on Sky Sports Radio. And by the way, Wednesday night... Wednesday night at midnight is the cutoff when it all closes for those Kosciuszko tickets. So if you have a little win today, if you had a win over the weekend and you're thinking about buying your $5 ticket to try and win a slot in one of the great races on the calendar, if you ask me, not just from a prestige point of view, because there's obviously other races out there that have that prestige and when it comes to racing, but this race is the only race in the world that I believe you can create these stories from for the everyday people uh, out there listening. So who knows what ride you're going to go on if you buy your $5 ticket. Let's bring the panel into it, though. Ron Duffersey, good morning to you, mate. Great to see uh, Ramwick back with good racing on the weekend. Some nice horses rolled out and a bit of an upset in the Chelmsford. Yeah, there certainly was with uh, the 50-1 to chance um, Navajo Peak getting the money there after a, uh, a smart, another smart Schofield ride. So our weight for age ranks are questionable in Sydney so far, it's only early. Um, the, the, they seem to be bunch finished. They're not running time. Uh, so little question marks. Uh, is there an opening for a three-year-old to have a, a crack at a couple of these big wait-for-age races? We saw King Colorado run well in one. So um, that's a little question I've got uh, coming out of the wait-for-age ranks. But, boy, there were some impressive winners there. There's, there's no doubt about it. There certainly was. David Gately, hello to you, mate. Uh, you were out and about again for Sky Racing 1 on the weekend, and we saw in Melbourne that group won the Memsey. We saw uh, the two horses who really performed well in their previous uh, runs. Of course, Mr Brightside, I thought, was fantastic winning the Memsey. Princess Grace, what a prep she's in for. Uh, and I wish I win. I thought that the return was great. Alligator Blood, amenable. He took that big step up from what uh, a lower grade to Group 1 racing. So that's going to be a really good form race, isn't it? Oh, well, I would have thought so because um, they're all the uh, the horses that are going to continue to race against each other, aren't they? So um, I think pretty much every form analyst had four key hopes in the race. They ran one, two, three, four. They had a length and a half on everything else as well. So um, I guess what a lot of us, well, certainly I didn't script, was Mr. Brightside sitting three wide, no cover, and still beating them. Um, in saying that, you can certainly make a case uh, Princess Grace was, was a touch unlucky. Um, and I wish I win loomed to win. Uh, right in the back of my mind at the 200 was Peter Moody saying all week that he's underdone, and that's probably what cost him. Uh, but he had a much softer run than the winner, 
Alligator Blood held on well. Amenable, the pick of the B team, or the A-minuses, let's say, after a slow start being held up. He ran home 11.24, third quickest of any horse all day. Yeah, and he's one that we really should take note of because when we had Mick Ken Jr. on the program, Racing HQ, a couple of weeks ago, and Amenable was returning at Caulfield, uh, he said, this is a horse that we really want to try and eventually get to a Golden Eagle. So I wonder mm-hmm. if he's... Uh, well, hopefully he's pulled up well, and who knows where his next target is on that way to Rose Hill and, and winning, possibly, uh, that race. Of course, I've done it before with uh, I'm Thunderstruck. Chris Roots, always lots of news floating around the track. Good to have you on the program again, mate. And uh, Chad Schofield, I tell you what, he wins it on Libertad last Saturday. He gets uh, the job done uh, as well midweek, and we pop him up on on Saturday as well, winning that Chelmsford. Yeah, and Chad's been... One of the jockeys that's sort of a little bit forgotten in the Sydney room. He's um, come back from Hong Kong. He's, he's had a. Oh, we might have just lost Chris there. So we'll try and reestablish that uh, line. I'll come to you then on Chad Duff because he, he really, I mean, I remember having a conversation with Chad at a function and it was just after he'd returned, I think, from a, a family wedding or it might have been a holiday. And he said, it's that competitive. And it would be like this as well in, in Melbourne and other jurisdictions. Uh, if you're not there riding the work and you miss a few barrier trials, you go straight back to the bottom of the pile. and it's, You've got to work your way up, almost rebuild and start again. That's for sure. It's a tough business. And, uh, you know, you, you see uh, terrific riders like Schofield, who's a polished rider, Jason Collett, uh, they're just snapping at, you know, the McDonald's hills there and it's just hard to get a... Uh, all you need is one good horse, one good horse you need to stick with all the way through to get your name up in lights. Not that their names aren't in lights, but they're, they're both um, amazing riders in their own right. They're lovely tacticians and beautiful balance and, and um, yep, it's, uh, they're... they're, they're yeah, in the top of the tree, I say, of our riders here in Sydney. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think Chris is back. Chris, we'll just touch on what you were saying before we move on, mate. Yeah, thanks to that. Thanks to that insurance company that rings me every every morning at nine, ten, ten past nine, trying to sell me insurance that they don't want. Um, um, Chad Scafield, he's, he's, he's going to be he's, he's going to earn his stripes very quickly now. He's, he's he's starting to get the rides for Annabelle. I know David David Kane was. Um, David Payne said to him, you, "You'll be my. You, you've got rides at my place as well." I think Gerald Ryan's going to use him. He, he, he's just he gets it right too many times for not not to get more rides. And um, fantastic ride, funny race. The Chelmsford. They they didn't. When you look at the clock, they didn't go that hard. But the fields lit up, and it looked like they were going hard. It just made it too hard for those horses back in the field to make up the ground ground on Navajo Peak, which got his work too. And um, all, all power to him, but realistically, that race every year is sort of the emerging and stayers, um, not our top weight for age horses. We'll wait and see where, where, when all their A graders get together, which what's the best weight for age horse in Sydney? Um, Duff, you mentioned that we we might be a bit thin on the ground when it comes for weight for age uh, racing. Um, in Sydney at the moment. What do we take out of the Chelmsford then? I mean, obviously, think it over. Geez, I want to be on him when we get to, to a 2,000 metres. Wowee. Yep. I, look, I, I'm finding it a very, very hard race to, to read, whether I want to go with the angle the track didn't dry out and they chopped up and uh, they couldn't, they didn't, because they didn't run any time at all. Like, just fine, brain them on the clock at that track and distance on the same day. And, uh, yeah, he was his first run in Australia. So that made me you know, sort of prick the ears and say, well, what are we working with here? Um, are we working with um, it's going to be a different result every time we have a race? I, I know we didn't have those Melbourne horses who look look the, the nice real things, um, the, the Mr Brightside and Alligator Blood, Princess Grace, I wish I win. But, um, yep, yeah, when you see the, you know, a stayer, two stayers fighting out the, the race more or less and and the others in a pack chasing the field home and I think well I can refer to Gator here it just appeared that they went out faster in in just fines race and they come home quicker so um, that mm-hmm. tells you it was a better race uh, Montefilia what do we do with her you because want... she was backed yeah, she probably might want further, and then I go back to what Rudy just said. It just looked a, a funny race that may have been deceiving, that uh, the back markers, the way uh, the race was controlled, 
uh, up front. It made it very hard for the back markers to come into play, but that's just clutching at straws. She, she just appeared that she might want 2,000 metres. I think there's uh, too many. I think there, there was a lot of stays in that race and no real milers. So you lacked that, that horse that was going to put speed into it, and it looked like that on paper. They went five lengths understand it for the first first half of the race and if you go to the just mine I think they were they were around half a length below standard on, on the same sort of track. So that was that was the difference. And and basically I don't know what happened but the race just split up. If you were watching it and not looking at the clock, you would have thought they're they're rocking along in front and they're gonna be and these horses are going to come out over the top of them. So when thinking over um, presented at the 300, you just looked at him and said, well, he's just going to go straight past them. But he he just felt that second up run and he, he topped on his run about 100 out and he was good enough. Um, Major Bill, he's on track to, to run in uh, those big staying races, but there wasn't other... When you look through the field, if you, if you could point out a miler there or a horse with real speed, these horses are, are more preparing for races down the track, so... I think you've got to be careful. There's going to be some hit and runs there because I think there's going to be a couple that really got through the line that were, were okay. But um, in all in all, they're, they're probably not the A-grades that we saw in Melbourne. Okay. Uh, we can open the phone line straight away here, guys. 13.53.53 is the open line number. So if you've got a question, get calling. David has. Good morning, David. How you going, boys? Um, great to hear you on the radio. Look, uh, Mr Bright- Brightside, I was so impressed with his... Win. I know the others may have been underdone, but uh, um, Craig Williams is my favourite jockey. I, I didn't think it was possibly his best ride, but um, anyway, the horse did a great job. But uh, what Duff? What are they looking at the Cox Plate? Would that be number one aim now, or what would it be? Yeah, I'd say. Um, well, you'd think uh, King Charles into the into the Cox Plate uh, would be a lovely angle for him if he's tough enough to cope with that, which I think he should be. He's a mature horse, and I would say, you know. Um, King Charles two weeks into the Cox Plate. Yeah, I think I think the preparation the Hayes boys have put out there all the way through is uh, uh, this race into a McIver Diva into the King Charles, which is very very similar to how he's won his two Doncasters, and then have another crack at two thousand metres. He's struggled to get past the mile at the highest level, but he's a he's, he's just an outstanding miler, and he, he he'll be very very hard to beat when he gets to Ramwick in on Everest. Beautiful, David. Thank you very much uh, for your call. That's the Chelmsford. Let's go and talk about this Melbourne race. And no doubt, Duff, you would have been watching this race as well because Princess Grace, I know you've got a big opinion of ever since you saw her produce the trial. She won that race, of course, at Hawkesbury. Uh, She was good on the other day uh, in the Wink Stakes on the inside where not many horses wanted to be that day. So... Uh, I'll, I'll get a, a, an overview of the race from you, Gator, and then I'll come to you for some comments on the Sydney horses, uh, Duff. Uh, the Memsey Gator. So you mentioned Mr Brightside. Um, in the run, were you thinking, well, this is just toast? Uh, yep, because um, I've seen a lot of races, uh, as we all have, and there aren't too many that sit three wide, no cover, um, or, and win, whether you're watching uh, Belmont, Ballina, or Caulfield or wherever. So, um, yeah, so I think it, it's simply all on as winner. What what clearly helped him, uh, I think, was having the run under his belt, sure, um, and the fact they didn't go hard. Uh, they certainly didn't crawl either. I mean, they were, they were a length and a half above all averages, uh, that first 800, um, but seven lengths below Group 1 average. So, um, you know, we talk about comparing uh, apples with apples. So... We talk about comparing Olympian athletes with other Olympians. We're talking about elite athletes here, equine. So that's the clock I want to use. So seven lengths below. He's run three and a half lengths above his last 600 despite the wide run. Overall time, five lengths below. So um, they couldn't smash the clock given the tempo, um, and they didn't. Um, But uh, he he has done a terrific job because I wish I was given the ride of the year probably uh, off his back. Um, And alligator blood, you know... He's proven fresh. He's beaten Brightside in the past. And there's Princess Grace. It was forced back to the inside, I think, by race nine. Slightly inferior ground, which, again, adds run, uh, merit to the run of Amenable. Ozapenko was interesting. Um, he didn't quicken at all. 11th fastest out of 14 runners, 400 to the 200. Backs that up. Then third quickest time. And lovely work over the line. It was a sneaky good run for a mile race somewhere soon. 
Mm, yeah, it certainly was. Duff, are you... Well, there's another horse that you know, I think you've mentioned, Duff, uh, when we first sort of came back from your break. I said about horses you were wanting to follow into into the spring. And you obviously don't want to lock yourself and pin yourself to one particular. But two horses you did mention, I can remember from the tape, Princess Grace and Ozapenko. Yep, well, I think Princess Grace is a talent. She's put two together now. Was this the case of... Um, the two horses that had, had had a run back beat the horses that the two horses that hadn't had a run back, so that went in their favour with race fitness on their side. And Princess Grace, I agree. I, I I think maybe by this stage of the day there was a theory be off the fence a little. So that's in Craig Williams's defence. He had confidence in the horse to say, okay, I might I might be travelling three deep, no cover, but. Um, at this stage of the day, if I get my horse into a rhythm, I think I'm on the best part of the track. And uh, I think Shin was uh, wanting to get off the rail and had no opportunity to get off the rail. And there was a little case to say if she sort of was, instead of third defence, one out, one back peeling, she might have won the race. But that's all doesn't matter now. But she's she's a really good mare and she's got those mares races um, at her mercy, I'd suggest. Um, races like the Invitation and the Empire Rose, uh, they should well, take, take... What's that, Chris? Duff, should they invite her to the Invitation now? Should they be on the phone today and say, right, Princess Grace, you've got an inviting and, and start getting this race, building this race up? Because that Invitation, we're always waiting till the last minute to find out what's in it. She's oh, clearly the best mayor in the, one of the best mayors in the country and they, want, they should want her there on that day. Yeah, look, I think they they'd know. I think they'd know in the back of their head they got an invitation whether they want it uh, any time they want one. So I, I don't think that's going to change their planning, because you know she she's the one of the favourites and and she's automatically in if they want it anyway. So Chris would know that. Surely he's saying, "Oh, I better get an invitation before they don't invite me." I I, I don't think that's an issue at, at all. I don't think it's an issue, but I think it's a way of uh, presenting this race and making it. A storyline towards it. So you know, if yeah, you're going to have yeah. storylines, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to make decisions early because otherwise, we're just sitting there the week before the invitation, everyone's going, "Well, what's in the race?" You know, yeah. that's that's happened in the last two years. So yeah. realistically, ATC and racing yourself, I should be on the phone to Chris say, "You've got an invitation. Are you going to accept it and put it out?" Well, there's a long way between now and the 28th of October. Uh, that's yeah. when this race is, and they're their horses, and things go wrong. You know, they can lose form, um, you know, they can get an injury, they can uh, not train on. So, yeah, I, I don't think that's... I, I get it that it's a great selling point. He's our first horse in the invitation, but it is a long way off. It is a long way off. And just back on Isopenko, I, I, I've always said I don't want to be on him until October. You know, I, I don't think... I think he's slowly, slowly building, building, and maybe he's more your... King Charles and Cox Plate type of horse uh, peaking okay. at the right time. Oh, that's oh. September, September, September 30 for an episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll talk about some of those futures markets in a moment. We've got Mark on the line. G'day, Mark. Morning, mate. Yeah, I just want to debate Bruder's comments about um, Mr. Brightside struggling for 2000. You see he's running the Cox Plate. Okay, he runs fourth, but he ran the quickest slow 600 of the race. And I don't think there was a horse stronger than him in the last hundred. They won't beat him in the Cox Plate unless one of these imports are pretty good, and they're going to have to be, because nothing in this country will beat him, mate. Chris, write a reply. That's the great thing. He did have three finish in front of him, and I know we were talking about Animo. He was, he was our best 2,000-metre horse, but I just think he, he's he been a horse that has been at his absolute peak at a, at, at a mile, and I think with the Hayes boys, what they what they've what they've structured the program around is King Charles as the um, the goal, and then the Cox Plates the the next the set is next as another goal. But they know that if they get three runs into a mile at Randwick, he's almost unbeatable beatable in those races because he's won two Doncasters doing that. And I just, I just, I just doubt him. At the, I doubt him at the at the trip. And I think in that in a cox in that cox plate last year, they sort of sprinted home. So that sort of suited a horse that lacked the strength at two thousand metres. Yeah, Mark, he's never won. Uh, you would know this. He's never won at two thousand. I know that last prep they went what uh, the fee in which he won and blew him away into the Underwood, where he was beaten by Alligator Blood. 
Then in the Caulfield Stakes, over 2,000, beaten there, beaten Cox Plate. Then Kentala might have had enough, and then obviously he's come back in, in this preparation, or that and the back end of that uh, this year, and obviously went all-star mile, Doncaster, etc. So, yeah, he's never won over the 10, but take your point, it was a big run that day at the Valley. Now. Just an older horse and different. Is that where you're, is that where you're going? So here's, here's an interesting question as a punter, Duff. I'll come to you here. So there we have Mark, obviously, who, you know, in his mind, his opinion, believes 10 furlong, etc. you know, basing off the eye. At what point, as a punter, do you have to go with your heart instead of your head and what the paper says, the data says? Uh, well, the, data, the data says he doesn't run 2,000 or he's, he's not going to win a Cox Plate if you just look at his data. Yeah, well, is there enough data there to say that he won't? You know, I want to look That's at true. Re- also, uh, I want to look at the horse as an individual, and the, the stats are: his last four starts, he won a, a very hot All-Star form race in the All-Star Mile, which turned out an amazing form race. He went on to win a Doncaster Mile on a heavy track. They're not easy. You need a two thousand metre horse to win on a heavy track at a mile at Randwick at that level, and then he resumes and goes bang bang, Group Two, Group One. Um, look, I, I, I'm not doubting him. I'm not doubting him. He's, he's a he's a ripper horse who who hasn't got the credit he deserves. What what about Gator yourself? Just a comment on uh, Mr. Brightside, two thousand metres. Uh, look, no, I don't have any issue with it at all. Um, yeah, I thought his Cox Plate run uh, was was. I think it'll be a better Cox Plate this year though, so he'll have to be better. But I think he is. I think he's come back better than what he went out. He's four straight wins now. The Doncaster mile, as, as Duff's uh, mentioned there, he did it with weight. I know he won the year before with no weight. This year he did it with weight. Um, then the All-Star mile returns with a, a PB Lawrence run at a fearsome speed, just absorbed that pressure, and then beat some of our elites on Saturday. Impossible to knock. Romantic Warrior, $4 favourite for that Cox Plate. That's an all-in marker, by the way. You've got to check this, as I said uh, last week. Wherever you're betting, obviously, if you're betting at the tab, it'll be up the top of your screen. All in means, obviously, all in. Some of these other races, though, will be pre-noms. So if you're betting into a pre-noms market and that horse isn't nominated, um, you will get a refund on bets. Just make sure that's the same rule wherever you're betting. Same with the Cozzy and also the Everest. If you're backing particular horses that don't get slots in those races, for a tab, from a tab perspective, you will get a refund. And I hope and I hope it's the, the same case for other places where you uh, you might be having a bit. Mr. Brightside, though, second favourite now for the Cox Plate. He's $8 without a fight. Uh, the horse for the Freedmans is at $8. Uh, you've got Light Infantry at 11 Alligator Blood, 15 Amelia's Jewel, 15 Globe at 15 And we see in the news Jamie Carr has been booked to ride Boom. Uh, Globe, not Boom. Uh, has been booked to ride Globe in that Cox Plate uh, qualifier, which is the Group 2 FEM. Uh, which is this Saturday at the Valley. So that's very, very interesting. He's a, he's a very, very interesting horse, uh, Globe, in, in what he has done thus far. Now, we've got a couple of texts on the text line here. Obviously, we're going to get to to this particular race. Wanted to cover off the group races and obviously the Chelmsford first. But we saw uh, for the last time on Saturday, Duff, and you mentioned it yesterday on Thoroughbred Weekly, uh, that uh, we saw Nature Strip and now... Obviously, Eduardo, both retired. They've both been wonderful sprinters, wonderful with their connections. I still remember the day being at Rose Hill that Eduardo won that Galaxy and obviously being on course at Ramick to see Nature Strip win Everest, etc. So uh, they've been brilliant for the game and now it's time for the new guard to, to take their spots. Yeah, they have been brilliant for the game. You know, Nature Strip, nine group ones, $20 million. You know, what, what else can you say? And his longevity has been amazing from a horse that early on, I think when... Um, Robert Smerton had him. Maybe he had a, a breathing issue, and I'm sure he had a wind operation. So for him to go this far after having that problem and and whatever is amazing. And he, and he you know, obviously he set the stage in, over in Europe, um, winning in the King's Stand. And uh, yeah, look at what a horse he's been. And and Eddie, um, similar. He, he's been a, a ripper. The two old boys, and and we forget we we lost, uh, we didn't lose. But I mean, he was retired during the week as well. Classic legend. So the old guard um, have all left us at once, and uh, we're we're looking for the heir apparent. And uh, obviously, Giga kicks high up on the list there. Certainly is. I'll go to John, who's on the line. Good day, John. Good morning, fellas. Uh, one for Duff and one for Gator, if I may. Yep. Uh, Duff, I took notice of a comment during the week from Chris Waller saying that his opinion is that Lindemann 
uh, will be a weight for age horse. And I also note that on yesterday's day, Corey Brown said it could have been written better. What are your thoughts? Yeah, look, he's just uh, going and he's not helping himself, that horse. Um, I think he, re- he was relaxing in front much better as a three-year-old than what he is now. So Chris will work him out and he doesn't get it wrong often. He, he, he did go... Uh, yeah, he, he just fired up when Navajo Peak come outside him there and uh, overdid things, and then Navajo Peak took the sit on him, and it all set up perfectly for him. So, look, I'm I'm not I'm I'm not giving I wouldn't give up on him, but I think he's still maybe a little bit of work in progress. But um, it may take another six months to get him properly mentally right that horse. But he's still a a winning chance in anything he's contesting because uh, he did have excuses there on Saturday. You, uh, Gator, I, I thought Aegon's run in the listening was really good and I'm just wondering where it's headed. Maybe the Turak? Yeah, look, I'm not sure what his next target is, but I agree with you. His first run was a cracker. Fast run race, got back, ran on, entitled to, but did a great job of exactly that. Much less dynamic on Saturday. Um... They, look, he wasn't disgraceful. He wasn't bad. But you watch him that last 25, 50 metres. He wasn't savaging the line, ridden closer to a slower speed. Maybe he was just a bit bit flatter second up. You know, I think that's what uh, the stable was saying after the race. So that's what they put it down to. They'd know the horse better than me. I think there's a handy race in him. He'll just never beat Brightside and those sort of horses, you know. He, he'll run really well against them, but he'll never beat them. He's got to come back a notch. Yeah, I know, but I'm, I'm speaking more of a handicap for him. Like yeah, that's it. Yeah, so that's back a notch, isn't it? And then, so those um, those elites don't go to those races, you know, with asterisks. Um, so that's probably, uh, if I had him, <laughs> that's where I'd be targeting those sort of races, yep. Yeah, okay. Thanks a lot, fellas. Beautiful. Thanks, John. Thanks for your call, mate. Uh, we'll take a quick break. It's 9.33. We'll take some more of your calls on uh, 13.53.53, and then we'll come back and talk more about the Concord. This is Punter's Postmortem on Sky Sports Radio. Here we're taking your calls on 13.53.53 with uh, Ron Doversy, David Gately and Chris Roots as our panel as we look at uh, the racing that was on Saturday. And we talk about the Concord uh, Duff. So, Remark, obviously the winner. A couple of texts here on the text line about In Secret and Bella Nipatina, who I thought were very good over the 1,000. Yep, they were, like Remark was amazing. Um, he has had his own little issues in the past of try, as, of, as far as he's always had that brilliance about him. It's just a matter about fine-tuning him with the gelding and I think he had a throat operation as well. And uh, But he was dominant there on, on Saturday. He, he, he was arrogant. He sat three and four deep and, and we were thinking probably the fence was an advantage. Um Coming into that race, uh, uh, he overcome every obstacle there. In secret, just wasn't ready. It's as simple as that. It's not her distance range and wasn't ready. So she was outstanding. They'll get the timing right. Bella Nipotina had her chance. She was good, wasn't beaten far. And uh, she'll, um, yeah, she, she, she's probably her best chance of beating the real A graders is maybe a, a softer track. Okay, uh, Chris. The stories come out of the uh, Concord. Obviously, straight away we had that uh, well press, I guess press conference or whatever you want to call it. There, when he was chatting with Greg and uh, Chris Waller about the retirement of Nature Strip, and then the next day, Eduardo. Uh, obviously, we see uh, Joe Pride announcing on social media that uh, he will be uh, uh, going off to enjoy life and retire. Yeah, and um, it was pretty obvious for everyone to see there. Um, they, we thought they were both ageless and they aged within 56 seconds on the track and they were just not the horses that they were. And But all, all credit to the owners, it would have, would, the easy decision would have been not to give them another preparation, not give them another chance. But these horses, they're born to race and they and they love being out there. Even you look at looking at them in, I think Duff would say, you look at them in the parade, they wanted to be there. But they just it just wasn't a... It, it was just a bridge too far for them. So um, we get to live, live, have the memories of them now. Nature Strip, amazing horse. I think every punter in Australia has been on the wrong right side of him at one point in, in their lives because he would, he'd, he'd win races, then he'd get beaten when he was supposed to win, and then 
he had that remarkable 18 months where he was basically unbeatable and was airborne, and that was capped by the best performance of his career. And unfortunately, it wasn't in Australia. It was in a King's Stand in, in England where he just absolutely blew, blew apart the, the Pommy horses. So um, he's, he'll, he's going to be a benchmark for sprinters for a long time to come. Eduardo, for a horse that wasn't real, didn't race to his fall, he's just... He's an incredible story too. Two Group Ones. He always, he was always there. He was clearly the far. At, at, at one point, he was the fastest horse in Australia out of the gates, and over a thousand metres, he could match it with any anyone, especially around the bend. But I think he saw his best down the straight, and um, he goes off, and Joe's going to find a nice home for him. So, they were the two stories. Outside that, the, the real story storylines going forward are which of those horses will see me ever. Remark deserves his spot there, will deserve a spot there. If he can back that performance up, I think that's right with that. 1,000 metres, he, he's done it before, first up, similarly like that. He's, um, but he's, he's just beaten them all out of sight. So yeah, he'd be top seed for the next um, slot holder to take. Um, in secret, obviously, Godolphin's number one. I thought the last 25 metres was incredible. Um, Zach Lloyd come back off her, got off her and said, I've never been in a horse that's been going that fast and dug in as much as she did. So um, she's she's right on track. And I thought Bella Nicotino, as Duff said, she probably needs a soft track to be really competitive with the top liners. But she, there's a good race in her during the carnival. And hopefully, I think Kieran Ma would love to get her into an Everest as well. Anyone that doubts uh, the health of Nature Strip, I saw one of the most amazing racing photographs that I've ever seen yesterday, I think it was on social, it might have been Lisa Grimm actually, um, of Nature Strip standing in his stall before the race, ears pricked, uh, muscle, the the health of the horse. It would be a photo you'd be proud to put in your office and just look at every day. It, it was an amazing photo. If you get your chance to have a look at that, or just uh, maybe you could look it up on social media, but that's where I saw it. and it, I've never seen a photo like it. He, he, he was in magnificent order, that horse. Mm. Yeah, and the thing is, Duff, we get to see them, like... Uh, we're, we're not left with um, any question marks. What would he have done if they did one more season? They went went one or two more seasons with both these horses, and um, I don't think there's anyone saying, "Oh, it's disappointing to see them go out like that." It's you know, no. it's it, it's 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 what yeah. happens to everyone. Everyone gets old and, exactly. and a little bit slower. And but we, we we get to remember, you know, when Nature Strip was just belting horses by three and four lengths with his ears and TJ's when people sort of doubted he'd run 1,200 metres. It was, he was just a magnificent horse. And when you saw him in the flesh, he is just a beast of a sprinter. And, that, uh, and probably if you wanted to draw what a sprinter should look like, he was it by the end of his campaigns. Uh, we should be celebrating him, um, not you know, bag him because we had a hundred on him at two dollars something, and he didn't perform. We should be celebrating a champion and what he's done for the sport. Uh, just a comment on the race from you, Gator, because you had been watching with um, close eyes and that being on Sky One, uh, Tab Everest. We talk about ahead. Um, we obviously touched in on the you know the freaks of Nature Strip and Eduardo, but uh, in secret and Bella Nipatina, which was the original text, uh, very very good runs, weren't they? And the winner. Yeah, that's right. All three, I thought, were really good. I mean, uh, they've just absolutely smashed the clock here, haven't they? Fifty-six and a half for the thousand. Um, so if you take every thousand metre run uh, race at Randwick, there, the uh, first three home have run between sixteen and sixteen and a half lengths faster than all of them. Um, so it's outstanding, even relative to Group Three standard. They're seven lengths faster. So um, Bella Nepotina's eleven oh two quickest last hundred of the day. She did have a chance, soft to run the winner, so it's all on as winner. I'm disappointed in myself. I didn't uh, back him, but always learning and in secret. Uh, yeah, so look, not much more to add, except that the clock's there to back up what you saw, <laughs> that they were outstanding. Uh, just on uh, in secret, Chris, I mean, obviously uh, you quite close with the Godolphin operation. I mean, is it a dollar one that that's the horse that will run for Godolphin and the Tab Everest? Well, I think it'll be there in the Everest, no matter what. Whether it's run from the Godolphin slot would be up to uh, whether one of their Colts could win a Group 1 race. Like, I don't think they'll run a Colt in an Everest that hasn't won a Group 1. So if Cylinder was to come out and win the Golden Rose, I think 
they might take Salida above her, but she'd find a spot with some a slot with someone else. So, but right, she's okay. their number one. She's their number one pick. But what you've got to remember is they're they're an organisation that's that that's run like a business. So your the the business for them is getting group one winning colts. So it's no good um, putting a horse into a an Everest that hasn't won a group one in their opinion. So that's mm. that's probably. Probably Very right. interesting. And in the past, they've been reluctant to run. Even when they've won Group 1, they've been reluctant to run Bivouac. I think James still regrets that to, to this day, that he didn't, he didn't go into the Everest I, yes, yes, yes one. I guess I um, ask, and we'll, we'll, sorry, Duff, I, I guess yeah. I ask, and, uh, because obviously we know that, um, and it's just the style of James and style of Godolphin, they're not the ones to come on radio, whether it be here in Sydney or down in Melbourne with Gareth and say, yep, this will be winning and this will be going to this race. I mean, they've got so many options for them. And I guess from a punter's perspective, though, like people listening to this who maybe heard James's comments last week saying, well, geez, um, if she can come out and do this over 1,000 when she's not fully wound up, wait till she gets to 1,200. So then obviously people gravitate towards that Everest market where she's uh, $11. So you think, Chris, that she... Whether she's picked for Godolphin or not, you would be extremely, extremely surprised if she wasn't lining up. The only um, way she won't be on, there on Everest day is if she's, if she's injured. Well, there you go. Duff, yeah, I sorry, agree. I, I agree. Uh, the, uh, every year you don't hear boo from Godolphin until the last two weeks about the Everest. Yeah. They, they haven't been interested. i got a feeling that the, that has changed. Just listening to a few interviews, trying to read between the lines, I think they've come round thinking it's the new way of the world, we've got to be part of it. And I wouldn't be surprised if they even run a cult there. If he's good enough, Cylinder, you'll find out next week. Yeah. yeah. I, th- very, very... I, think what, I think what you'll find is that um, it's, it's a business decision and that's why they've run, in that, when that, since they've had the slot, they've run geldings a lot because, uh, you know, that, that was their best, in, in their mind, the best business decision was to try and get as much money with, with, the, with a gelding and not put so much. It's, a, it's such a big risk running a cult because you run. You can What's run the value risk? Off What's how do you run value off from running him in, in an Everest? One of the well, highest that's, rating. That's, that's the way they. That's probably why, the way. They're, 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 they got the pattern in their head. Their pattern. Yeah, the they've, pattern. Got, they've got yeah. the pattern in their head. The pattern. Yeah. That's the. That's that's the that's what that's and they are. It's interesting though, though, because I mean, isn't yes, yes, yes fully booked for like the next couple of years? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but they are an international operation, and and, true, and they've yeah. got a, they've got people over in Europe who 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 would say, oh, we're going to go to Group Ones, we're going to go to this and this. That's what that's that's how how they look at it. Um, the world has changed. There's no doubt that the, the best best race over twelve hundred metres in the world is the Everest. So there's no no doubt that if you win the Everest, and you, you can see it in the yes 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 um, advertisements from Coolmore. It says Everest winner. That's that's mm. they don't they don't they're not they're not saying saying worrying about it ran in a golden slipper and this and that and it says Everest winner. They don't they don't talk about the group two one. They talk about the Everest. Yeah, I, all I know is I'd rather be breeding to a, a good horse than a, a horse that flukes a group one that could be limited in ability. Well, that's 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 another argument that there's too many group ones that that allows those horses to have have that group one status next to their name too. That, and that's. That's mm. when we've got a race like the Everest that isn't a Group One, and we've got right. other races around the country that are nowhere near the standard of uh, of, of of races that are Group Twos elsewhere. So you know that's that's the argument that that, that probably causes then, a lot of the arguments between. So, so Kumar is not an international operation. You know they're happy to run a horse that, like a yes, yes, yes. So uh, yeah. there's there's two ways of thinking of that. It's 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 an individual. Yeah, but he ran it running. You got to remember, he ran in Wallace slot, didn't he? Did he? He ran yes. in Wallace slot. Yeah, he was. He was in Chris's slot because yeah. I think the tab had nature's trip yeah. um, in their spot mm. for that particular year. And then I guess the other beautiful thing about breeding is probably one of the best sires we've ever seen ever um, when it comes to I'm Invincible. Doesn't have, um, doesn't have a group one, yeah. Didn't even win a group one and is one of the best upgraders you've ever seen of mares. Anyway, we could talk about that for, for hours and hours. That's why our game is the best in the world. Uh, let's talk about the Furious Stakes. I might come to you here, Gator. We were potting. Now, you individually mightn't have been potting, but it seemed like there was a general, uh, a bit of a dislike towards what we saw with the first up run of Tis Invincible. Not so much her run in particular, but 
that rosebud run, well, Frank the form uh, comes out and wins, and, and she she won well. It was a lovely ride by Zach. Yeah, look, no, I was one well and truly one potting that rosebud form. I make no mistake about that. And um, right up until Saturday, I was 100% right. Um, they were well beaten last week, weren't they? Those horses at the top of the market. And I had Tis Invincible about fourth or fifth pick in the race on Saturday, thinking uh, that the Kamochi and Co race was a bit stronger. So um, I guess the, the asterisk on all of that is uh, the first thing I was ever taught um, a thousand years ago now was you never knock winning form. <laughs> so even if you're potting a race, um, you never never bag the winner. And I guess that came to fruition because what she did on Saturday, she quickened well. You know, I uh, liked the change-up speed, albeit of a moderate speed, two lengths below group two average. Not a crawl. Um, but, uh, yeah, she was able to quicken nicely and, and put those leaders away um, and then hold off Komochi, who will probably still end up the best horse, just couldn't quicken at the key stage off uh, said uh, even to moderate tempo, but strongest late. Um, no knock on the win. I think I still have reservations on the form outside of the winner. I mean, Cigar Flick was safely held with every chance in that same race. So um, that's the way I've summed it up. All right. Uh, what do you think of the Furious stuff? Yeah, look, I think um, coming out of the race, it, uh, it's quite simple. A lot of them fillies are, are looking for 1,400, and that may have been the case prior to the race. Like they've had their 1,200. Kamochi looks like got 1,400 written all over. Summer Lovin's got a mile written all over her. Maybe Autumn Ballet, similar thing, wants a mile, and, and uh, there's a couple of stayers there, private legacy and whatever. So the situation is the filly that went from 11 to 1,200, had more more acceleration than these fillies that might want 1,400 metres. But she's a good filly. She, I love the way she flattened out and went through the line there. She's, um, she has been a little bit of a work in progress. And uh, um, as Gator said, uh, don't knock a winner because she can do it again. I hope they go to her at 1,400 metres next start, because I think she's, she's the one that's going to be sitting on the speed and have acceleration. And what she was a little bit unlucky here, she got into a spot that was pretty good, but then when Tis Invincible went, she was coming across heels and probably lost the margin that she got beat in getting to a, to make a run. She was really good late. She's, she's just looking for 1,400 in the mile. She's going to progress in the Princess Series very well. And, you know, she's, she's finished second in the first two leagues. I think she, she'll be winning one of the, one of the next two. Um, as you said, Summer Love and he she's just so honest. So um, it's shaping up the, I think the two rows and the flight are going to be really good races. And in smaller fields, it's going to be, as they thin out a bit, as they get up and trip, it's going to be even more interesting because there's going to be four or five good chances and they're all going to get their, their best shot of winning the races. Um, we're going to get to Sean on the line. G'day, Sean. Morning, guys. How are you? Good, Sean. What have you got for us, mate? I've got one for you, Duff. Yes, mate. They, they, they scratched Hinge on the, on the weekend. Um, do you know, there's a reason why they scratched it, and also, do you know where it might go to next? I'd say she might go uh, to Melbourne next week, maybe. What do you got there at Melbourne next week? You've got the uh, uh, Mooney Valley. There's a mile there, I would have thought. Uh, let me oh, see. Back at the Valley. The Fian there. The Fian, yeah. Yeah. The feature. Yeah, so um, I'm thinking... <laughs> I'm thinking that could be a lovely possibility for her. How far do we need to get, though? Oh, she runs a mile. Uh, she's, uh, I think the feed would be a good race for her. I think Chris was terrified of the wide draw there on Saturday and, and maybe considering he scratched her, there's, a, there's an option coming up quickly for her it, uh, within a week and this, I'd, I would suggest, I wouldn't be surprised to see her in Melbourne. Fair enough, and all those... All those people that want to pay the each trip to lose on the weekend, mate, get lost. They got the horse of the champion, simple as that. Well said. Who was bagging him? Oh, no, the general punters saying he's gone. No, you know, it's just, up. you know what it's like, the, the trolls, you know. Yeah, just bagging, okay. Yeah. Um, gee, I was just, I got excited then, boys, because uh, where's the rail do we know on Saturday at the Valley, Data? Normal, normal. Normal, back to normal Because yeah. Globe gets Globe gets rolling out in front. <laughs> Jeez, if only it was uh, out five, we'd be you'd, you could have the <laughs> house on um, on Globe if it got rolling at the mile. Um, here's a a text on the text line. We'll go to Melbourne here, uh, Gator. Now I was sort of hard kicking myself. I remember doing a a luncheon with Tony McAvoy for the Albury Gold Cup actually 
earlier this year. And um, Tony was a special guest. We were talking about his stable with the Calvin. And I said, look, is there a horse that we should be following, you know? Um, and it was just before the English race uh, down there in Melbourne. Actually, no, not, not the English race, the sires. And he suggested this V8. He said, look, this V8, I haven't had a horse like him uh, since the um, since Haydock. And he, think, he actually said that I think he's a better horse than Haydock. And at that time, he'd only won that Packenham uh, maiden. He hadn't even won the Vic Sires. So we're all like, wow. He comes in and wins the Victorian Sires. He then came up to Sydney in what got beaten five uh, in the produce. But his win in the McNeil was outstanding. And again, um, I've got a bit of a crush on him because he's just a freak. Damien Lane, I think, is has to be in the top three jockeys in the country. Well, you're not going to get a bad word on D-Lane here, if that's what you're after. Um, there's no you know, equal um, equal jockey, uh, if I'm having a bet, that uh, I'm, I'm more than happy with. Equal with a few, I must say, though. But, yeah, look, really good, strong win. Another horse underrated a bit on Saturday. He um, thought first up he might be a little vulnerable off, off the, the jump outs, but uh, no, had the, had the run, uh, won the race. Did it with weight. He gave the runner up, or oh, the filly, uh, two and a half. Um, so he still carried a bit of a penalty against those, uh, the she lights and hedges of this world, and, and still beat them. He ran slightly quicker time than Benedetta, albeit off a you know some three lengths fast, uh, faster first uh, 600. Um, so a lot to like about uh, the win, uh, the clock, and the horse. Yeah, it was. Did you happen to catch that at all, Duff? That win of V8. Uh, look, I, I saw it. I haven't reviewed it. I've just no, I, that's fine. I saw the, yeah. I saw the live the live race. That's about it. Yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, the other one I want to ask you about too down there uh, in Melbourne was this uh, horse in the last uh, devoted and Bobby Peters starting to get a couple of winners over in uh, in Melbourne. The the colours are back, aren't they, Gator? Yeah, they are, and um, yeah, there's a few of these uh, horses that are you know, let's say finally. <laughs> Running really well, so maybe they've they've uh, found the key to to what they're doing. Obviously, devoted did get him with no weight on Saturday. I mean, he gave um, the the runner up Peter Shock had to give him nine kilos, and uh, look, he made him work to beat him. So I don't think there's any doubt who the best horse in that race is. It's probably here to shock, you know. And they've beaten Kalina, who's no slouch, into third. So it's a it's a race that I'm liking. Devoted, the next step for him is to do it uh, with um, with obviously um, at level weights that sort of thing, and that'll be a challenge. Uh, but one, he may well continue to progress too. He was narrowly beaten first up by a horse called Amenable, who's just run fifth in a Group 1 Memsey. So very easy, again, to like no matter how you slice it, whether it's form lines, whether it's um, you know, will to win. A, a number of angles you can look at that race. Clock, there was some substance as well. Uh, okay. Let's have a quick look there um, about, uh, uh, about uh, six... Um, yeah, three, eight, about eight lengths above all averages. Uh, winner again, asterisk no weight though. The other horse I want to mention, just two out of Melbourne, who we have seen obviously up in Sydney with all the preparation, um, is this Chorlton Lane. I know it was beaten, but boy, oh boy, it was charging late, big time. Yeah, the Quinella were both really good there. I think Reinberg uh, has obviously come back in great order, three for three in the prep, chased a good strong speed, five lengths above the class average, and held off Chorlton Lane. Um, Rogue Rocker was easy to like, nice 100 metres into third. They beat the rest easily, you know, and the rest was headed by Presser, who had just chased Braden Star, Hennessy Lad, uh, the latter a subsequent winner. All right. Uh, before we get some horses to follow, Duff, I'll come back to you here, mate, because the tramway, we saw Zach Lloyd again uh, in action. I've got to give a rap to, uh, to James McDonald as well, because had that really nasty fall, as did other jocks, as well, who couldn't partake on Saturday. Obviously, we saw Timmy Clark miss out on going to Melbourne to ride Alligator Blood, but J-Mac had that uh, severe tumble out of the gates at Wong on Friday, uh, and there he is punching them around on Saturday. So very lucky, as I think all the jocks are too, very lucky to, to have the the minor issues that they've got um, and looking forward to seeing them back at the track soon. But, um, yeah, the, I mean, Gaza Blanca, I know, was very well backed in the last and got the job done, but Zach was very good in the tramway, wasn't he? Yep, yep, he was. He read the play. Um, it was a, he owned, he was, it was a gift, really, but he capitalised on the gift that was given to him of uh, taking up the running, and that always looked the case on paper that there wasn't a lot of pressure there. Um, I thought 
uh, Hope in Your Heart was amazing there, considering the way how the race was run. And there's a couple others there. I want to be forgiving with Alentia. It was just a funny race. It was, a, it was just played right into the winner's hands, and you can only win, and he, he'll come out of the race really well going to an Epsom, Pericles, there's no doubt. But Hope in Your Heart was amazing. Uh, they didn't go hard enough for Zarek. Alentia, forgive. My Oberon was great. Um, you know, it's one of them races there, and Glowing Global might just do, you know, they might be on top of her, uh, she paraded better, and just wasn't her race. So I, I think it turned out like a gift for the winner, but he's a good horse, So, but the couple of runs behind there were excellent. Certainly were. Horses to follow, gents, uh, before we wrap it up and get to our previews for racing. Duff, what are we following this week, mate? Uh, look, there's a few there. I, I was very impressed with Just Fine's first. I, I want to see him do it again, but that was a very big win. Um, it was. In, for a benchmark race. Huyamal, uh, I can't wait for him to step up in distance. Hope in your heart, yes. And out of the highway, atmospheric rock was an eye-catcher. Yourself, uh, Gator? Yeah, I'm with Hope in your heart as well, reasons outlined. Alabir out of the uh, race four. He's going really well, this prep, and... He might bob up at 20-odd to one soon. Out of Melbourne, I'll give you two. Amenable, we've spoken about um, his run. And, and Magic Time, um, things didn't pan out overly well. I think it was a sneaky good run from her. And what about yourself, Chris? I'll um, make it a trifecta for hoping your heart. You, you, have to, you have to be blind not to see that. And she's, she's right on track for an Epsom. She's, that's where she's heading. And she'll have to beat Pericles. I thought he was outstanding again. Won both his runs this property. He, he, he looks right on track to win, to be the one to beat Nelson. In secret, can't wait to see her get up to 1,200 metres, can't wait to see her in an Everest. And in the last Salt Coats, just went back to last, this three-year-old against older horses. And I know it was beaten away, but it was really finding the line. I think Chris will find a, a nice race. I think a calendar personal might be the race that, that, that he bobs up and wins. He's he, a nice horse. He's a nice yeah, horse. He won the yeah. Auckland Vaturity. He's, uh, oh. He is, isn't he? I think he's an autumn horse. I, I really do. I, I don't know what they're going to do with him this prep. Chris might be right with that race, but he's uh, he's a little immature. But he's just a little off Broadway, I think. This yeah. time and wait for and and get a, get him get his rating up so that he's yes, um, yes. probably a Doncaster. Yeah, yeah. Win a race with him, get his rating up, and put him out. Typical Chris Waller situation and. Uh, uh, get a good prep under his own training, next preparation, and sort him out. He'd be a good horse. Some heavy hitters in it too. Aussie, John O'Neill, yes, Bloodstock, hmm. Patania, etc. So, um, and he is a gilding as well. Uh, boys, have a great uh, week ahead. Uh, where are we? We've got, to, obviously, we mentioned the Valley before when it comes to racing. Uh, I guess a lot of people are going to be interested in uh, where Globe draws and what happens with Globe. Jamie Carr obviously confirmed to ride Globe, that boom horse for the Kent Junior Stable, uh, who will hopefully be yeah. securing then a spot. You love that horse, don't uh, you? Yeah, well, you, just you, be. You, you're, right. you're right enough. <laughs> I am, I am. But only because, only because of the way he should go into real estate or something, Mick Kent Jr., because the way in which he spoke, um, as I said, two, three weeks ago, he spoke about Charmstone and Amenable. It was before they won at Corfield, both those horses. He gave Charmstone, obviously, a big rap. He said, Amenable, look out for a golden rose. Uh, and then I'm still waiting for this What You Need, which I think I'm going to see on Saturday as well. Um, aren't I, Chris? Possibly. You, you should be on the payroll there, the man. <laughs> the Mick Ken Jr. stable. Jeez. Um, i tell you what, there's it's a really... Hey, he's taken over the joint himself now. He's taken over, <laughs> over to Mick Price. I don't even think Junior would be saying that. Uh, Mick Price, you, you wouldn't want to get Mick Price on the show again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, we've got uh, the Theo Marks as a group too the run of the rose in Sydney, the Chiraco, the Ming Dynasty, uh, etc., along with obviously our Midways, Highways, etc. Have a good day, gents. See you, Dave. See ya. <laughs>